0: chapter 9, verse 1. And uh, this is a great story of healing in the Bible. It's one of the seven miracles listed in the book of John, uh, showing that Jesus is is the Messiah. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to John chapter 9. We're going to start in verse 1. And then we're going to flip around just a little bit once we get through part of this, and, and I'll show you uh, where I'm gonna go so John chapter 9 verse 1 now as Jesus passed by he saw a man who was blind from birth so we right away we know that he has a very serious predicament verse 2 and the disciples asked him saying Rabbi whose sin this man or his parents that he was born blind that's interesting this story really is about how Jesus is God's answers for our darkness chapter 9 the beginning of it the story is about a man who could not see but the rest of the chapter of chapter 9 is about people who would not see. Now it's one thing to be blind and not be able to see. It's another thing to have your sight and not see and deliberately choose not to see. And that's what we find here. So he sees this man and his condition. And I love it because that lets me know that God sees us in our conditions spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, in all areas of our life. He sees us exactly where we are. He knows exactly what we're going through. Notice that the man didn't approach him. Jesus approached this man. This very, very powerful message here. The disciples right away want to know who sinned. Why? Because someone with a visual outward problem, it must be because they have a sinful problem. That's what their thinking was. But just because someone has an outward sinful, uh, an outward problem doesn't mean they have sin in their heart. Sometimes bad things happen to good people. Verse 3, Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. It wasn't that God made him this way on purpose in some sick, sadistic way, saying we're going to make him blind so one day I can get glory from it. Basically what Jesus was really saying here is, let's forget about the theological ins and outs, the theological ups and downs, and let's just heal this man. We, we need to heal the hurting people that are in this world. God has given us the answer, and there are people with real problems. Some people have true spiritual blindness. Other people have blindness, uh, not just spiritually. They, some people have true physical blindness, but there's a lot of people with spiritual blindness, and we have the answer for that. Let's help them. Let's, the issue is that we have hurting and sick people, and they need a touch from Jesus. What the story is validating here is that Jesus will heal us and he will touch our lives. We need to get beyond the the mechanics of Christianity and be a bridge of hope for people. We need to get beyond the theological ins and outs of why this and why that and just simply love on people and try to see them healed. We need to quit trying to figure everything out before we help people, right? So verse 4 and 5, he said, Jesus said, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am the world, in the world, I am the light of the world. I love that. I am the light of the world, Jesus said. The devil works in darkness. Jesus works in light. That's why if you ever have stuff, you need to get it out. Because when you bring your issues out into the light, it allows Jesus and God to come and bring healing and bring forgiveness and and deliver you. When you hold it inside and you keep your your hidden stuff secret, your sins secret, and you never confide in someone, you never get it out, the devil works in darkness. It's like when you turn the lights on, the cockroaches scatter. When you bring it out in the open to God, you are allowing God to heal and deliver. He is the light of the world. Remember, the light dispels darkness. Darkness does not dispel light. Light always pushes darkness out. So we find that here in verse 6. I love this. When he said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And verse 7, he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam. Right here. This is where this miracle took place. This is the spot, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Muddy clay represented humanity while the pure water represented Christ. Jesus was using this pool as a symbol. What he was really doing, he was healing a man, but he was also doing it spiritually. He was giving a symbol that he was the Messiah, that he was sent by God to give spiritual sight to the world. He was basically right here saying, hey, I have been sent to the world as the Messiah to give everyone spiritual sight to see that I am the Savior. So it's a double miracle. The man gets healed of blindness. We get healed of spiritual blindness. So verse 8 and 9, Therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, Is not this he who sat and begged? Some said this is he. Others said he is like him. And, uh, and he said, I am he. I love that. So everyone's arguing and finally he says, Hey, it's me. <laughs> I love that. The neighbors were half and half. It just It's a representation of people in the world. They they just don't want to make a commitment one way or the other. Well, maybe he's the Messiah, maybe he's not. They don't want to stick their neck out on the line at work. They don't want to proclaim him in front of their family and friends. They don't want to be politically incorrect. They don't want to go left or right. So then they bring the parents before, or the Pharisees. The Pharisees first deal in verses 13 through 16. I won't take time to read that. But basically, they first deal with the fact that the man can see. But the big thing was that they were concerned about was this happened on the Sabbath. And to a Pharisee in that day, it couldn't be a miracle from God. Why? Because it happened on the Sabbath and that was working. So they had a big problem with it. So that's a big teaching here that I want to get into. But basically, because of the day of the week, in their minds, it couldn't have come from God. So that's putting God in a box. It basically said this isn't from God. Never mind the guy could see. And that's just like us god can only save someone at church i can only feel the presence of god if it's my song god can only move if it's my style i can only be healed if i pray a certain way god can only blank if blank is always putting god in a box you remember the first day i said we build spiritual card houses Remember card houses and then someone comes along and they kick it over? God waits for us to build our spiritual card houses and then he blows it over. And he says, I'm not bound by boxes. He was blowing everyone's mind right there. The Pharisees in this story represent many religious people in the church and their thinking was this miracle was illegitimate. The healing of the blind man in their eyes was not credible. Why? Because it didn't fit their religious traditions or their parameters and so many things like that happen in the church today because it does the miracles don't happen the way we think and the manner in which we think and it goes against what we believe all of a sudden now that can't be from God we have to be very careful with that the question I have for you is have you put God in a box are you open to for God to do a new thing in you do you think God can only heal you one way Caitlin do you believe God can heal your body any way he chooses those are great questions for us. Do you think God can save, heal, and deliver people in a way that you haven't seen before? In verse 18 through 23, they asked the parents, is this your son? Yes. Was he born blind? Yes. How does he see? The parents were like, hey, he's of age, you ask him. They were afraid to answer because they could get kicked out of the synagogue. Hey, he's of age, you ask him, and we don't want to be bothered with this. Fear kept them from answering. And fear many times will keep us from testifying to our family, our friends, our co-workers, that Jesus is our Savior and we praise God that He that that He's ours. So finally in verse 24 and 25, they asked the blind man. They basically say, Hey, he's a sinner, isn't he? And I love what he says in verse 24 and 25. You'll take a look. So they called again to him and they said, Give glory to God, God the glory. We know this man is a sinner. He answered and said, Whether he's a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, Yet now I see. I love that. No one can argue with your story or your testimony. No one can dispute the fact of what God has done in your life. Wow. They cannot deny that. Don't split hairs or fuss over the color of carpet on the ground or the way something should be done or what someone did was wrong. Let's be like the blind man and declare, Hey, I once was blind, but by the grace of God now I see. I once was lost in sin, but by the grace of Jesus Christ I'm now found again. I once was sick, but now I'm healed. I once was in bondage, but now I've been delivered. Hallelujah. I once was dead in sin, but now I'm alive. Let's remember what God did for us through Jesus Christ. Let's don't get into a game of splitting hairs over opinions and preferences. There's always a crowd who wants to argue. We need to have an experience with Jesus. An experience with God well, all the time pull the fuse out of all the arguments because no one can take what God has done in your hearts. Some of you have already had massive encounters with Jesus since we've been here. No one can steal that from you. A Christian with an experience from God is never at the mercy of some, an unbeliever with an argument. Amen? I want to show you one more thing. Uh, so he gets kicked out, but I want you to watch the progression of his faith. Follow me, four verses. Verse 11. This is his first confrontation with Jesus. He answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay with anoint, and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So the first time he's confronted about who Jesus is in his life, he says he's a man. You need to circle that or write that down. He's a man. A man named Jesus healed my eyes with clay. So the first time he meets Jesus, he's just a man. But watch as it goes on. Verse 17. Here's the second confrontation. They said to the blind man again, What do you say about him because he opened your eyes? He said he's a prophet. So now there's a progression of faith here. First he's just a man. Now he's a prophet. I want you to see this is how it works for us many times. Verse 33, the third confrontation. He is in a dialogue with the Pharisees. And by verse 33, he says, If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. So he's a man. Wait a minute. He's a prophet. Wait a minute. He is sent from God. But watch verse 38. The final confrontation, he's in a dialogue with Jesus himself. And in verse, 30, verse 37, uh, well, in verse 35, let's read there. Jesus heard that he cast him out of the synagogue, and when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is the Lord that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have been both with him, and it is he who is talking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. By verse 38, Jesus became the son of the living God to him. He started off, he was just a man. Then he was a prophet. Then he was sent from God. By verse 38, he is the son of the living God. I have a question in closing. Jesus is asking you the same thing today. Same thing to us. Who is Jesus to you? Is he just a man? Is he just a prophet? Is he sent from God? Or is he the son of the living God to you? Wow. Do you relate to the one who could not see? Or do you find yourself more like the ones who would not see? That's the question for us today.